Welcome to the Shallow Dive on Koheles, the book of Ecclesiastes. Join us as we explore the treasures gathered by King Solomon. I hope you enjoy it. Let's take a look again at this Pasuk, Pekidalaf, Pasuk Tess, 11.9, and Ibn Ezra on it. Semach Bachor, Yaldusacha, rejoice, young man, in your childhood. Betivcha, Libcha, Imei, Vechurosecha, and your heart will be good to you in the days of your young manhood. Vehalech, Vidarche, Libcha, and go in the pathways of your heart. Ovemare, Enecha, and according to the visions of your eyes. Vida, and know. Ki alkol ele, that for all of these, Yeviach Elohim ba Mishpat. You will be brought by God to justice. Says the Ibn Ezra. Smach, rejoice. Arashal kol Havel, after describing how everything is futile, vanity. Smach ato bachor. You, lad, rejoice, the elder Saha, in your youth. The inyano, what is being conveyed here? Kamo omer aserah, It's like when it says, do something evil and see what comes back upon you. See what befalls you. Do something evil and see the consequences. Kemo, we have a, another verse in the same sense. In Tehillim Samech, chapter 60, verse 10, in Psalms, Moab, Sir Rachzi, Al Edom, Ashlich, Naali, Olai Peleshes, Hisroi. Ibn Ezra, on this verse, sends us to, from Tehillim, back to Koheles. He says, Moab, Moab, I will wash their land like a pot. Alai Peleshes. Hine, Motsanu Po, Alai Peleshes. Hisro Oi. Hafuch. Rabbi Moshe Kohen Pirish, Bo, Hine, Al Edom, Shu Chazok, Ashlachnat. Against Edom, who is strong. I will throw my shoe. Choshvi ato peleshes shehisroi alat. Consider you, Philistia, that have engaged in evil against me. Kederech, like smach bochor yaldusecha, like our verse. Consider the consequences. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. So it's not a recommendation, it's just engaging in this thought experiment. What will happen? Consider, if this happens, what will be the result? What will be the consequence? Meaning if they attack. Is that it? Well, if they, if they engage in in evil, 
then they will have this consequence. Vayinyan, back at Ibn Ezra Bayaz, Al Adam Shalakti Nalak, Shutaki Fukhazik, against Adam I have cast my shoe, which is powerful and strong. Yisroi Alek Leshes Ato. Now, those of Philistia engage in evil. Vatiri Ma'aselach and see what I will do against you. So they're not actually being encouraged to engage in evil. Don't, it's not, it's not prescriptive. He's trying to engage in evil. It's saying, if you engage in evil, this is what you can expect to happen. Echein, similarly in Echa, Sisi v'simchi, bas Adam, Yosheves v'eretz utz, rejoice. Meaning, it's not actually telling Adam to rejoice. This rejoicing will be viewed as guilty. It's an act of guilt for them to gloat and rejoice over the destruction of Jerusalem. And they will pay the price for that. And that's how the verse concludes here. And no, for all of these. This is referring to all of these, the rejoicing, the gladdening of the heart, following after the heart, and after the sight of the eyes. The Indian tova leib bilshoneno ashloshapanim. The idea of good-hearted in this context, well, we we had, we have three angles on it. Ha'echad shitev me'atzma. One is that it is in, inherent in the experience, it is from within. Kamo vayitev libo in the pasuk in Rus Gimel Zayin. Describing Boaz. The second element of this is that the heart is making the the personality uh, uplifted. So the, the one who has the heart is being uplifted by the goodness of the heart. The first one is just, is, is just the heart itself. And the second is this uh, outgrowth to the Baal Halev, Kamo which is what we have over here. Vashlishi Sha'adam Itav Libo, Kamo Hema Mativim Es Libo. And the third is the other way, where a person seeks to stimulate externally, so to speak, and foist upon his heart this experience of good heartedness. So it can, the, the, there's the good hearted. Experience itself. There's there's the heart being in a state of, of good heartedness that expands to the person, or the other way, the person engaging in acts or thoughts that will extend towards their heart. Kemo hema mativim es libon, like in shoftim yutes chavreis. Linyan zeapalsik kemo velo sasura achar levachim. And this verse is along the same lines as. The verse in Bamidbar, Tazvav Lamites, warning us, you shall not follow after your hearts and after your eyes. This is a warning. This verse is presenting it as do it and see what happens. You'll be brought to judgment. That's the Ibn Ezra over here. 
in line with, with other comments we've seen. Interesting hosaf of the various relationships of how the heart and its goodness relate uh, the seat of it being the, the organ, but understood as, as a, a particular element of the personality as opposed to the whole person, how that can impact the person or how the person can impact their own the state of their heart. Fascinating potentials here. The Balturin points out that we have two places in the Torah, that have a similar phraseology. Beginning of the verse, Samach, rejoice. Samach Zvulun, in Devarim, Deuteronomy 33.18, it says the blessing of Zvulun, rejoice Zvulun, the tribe of Zvulun, going out. Samach, and also over here, Samach Bachar, lad, rejoice. Hashem shal yotzin bedakon leprakmatiyah, the Sifri says that they would go out to engage in trade. Who were those going out? Were those in the, their prime, their youth, and strong? Bachar, choice. He's in his prime. That is associated with a, a cheerful and positive outlook person's going out anything could happen but they're coming from a place of strength they're in their youth and they they feel confident that is the state of simcha associated with bacharus with being a young man Baltram is saying that that's both Elements are applicable. Smachzvulun is referring to those in their prime going out at the port, going off by sea, going to engage in trade. Of course, anything could happen, but there's a degree of confidence as Bahurim or Agibarim, young men of strength. Along these lines, and really coming back to the Mitsudas Dava that we saw last week, there's a fine line to calibrate the, the mandate of responsibility with rejoicing. One is meant to rejoice, but it needs to be done in a way that is responsible, that does not lead one astray. And this time of Baharus is a volatile time in a person's life that requires extra care. This is, this is a, an admonition fuel, a warning through the words of King Solomon, particularly to the Bahar, more than at other times of life. A person can have a heightened proclivity towards risk-taking, for example, with the confidence of their youth and strength. 
trying new things is, is a standard feature of somebody who's optimistic, sees possibilities, potentials that can be good. But that needs to be balanced and tempered. So the, the backdrop of the state of being a Bacha, the state of Simcha, which can be when not tied to the legitimate objectives that we are commanded, a person can, be, can veer off, veer off the path, follow after their heart and eyes. We have, if one looks at the Chinuch, in Mitzvah Reish Mem Ches, the prohibition of the Adam, to not eat like a glutton. Zolel is, is one who ravishes Sove and a glutton to not consume in such a manner. And the specific context is the Ben Sor, the rebellious wayward son who is experiencing more bar than mitzvah. It's a very dangerous prospect to be ben Sarah according to the Zara. Don't try this at home, kids. And the Chinuch speaks about it in a broader sense. Let's see, Mishrashiyah mitzvah, at the roots of this mitzvah, the Visharov chatos me'adam, at the root of this mitzvah is because most majority of sins of the sons of man are perpetrated as a result or brought about through the excess of eating and drinking. The Jewish tribe, the straight ones, a name of prominence, grew fat, corpulent, and kicked. And similarly, we find and you become fattened and thickened, and you have grown corpulent and have kicked the God who is who is who owns you, who had made you. And similarly, our stages have stated in Brachos 32a. Who has caused you to kick at me? The vetch that I have fed you, which is animal food, but of course the wealth is the that, that is the parable for the wealth that God has given us. Sometimes it can be used for evil to kick at God. In a general sense, the, the aphorism would be something to the effect of on a full stomach, one pursues after evil. After filling one's stomach, that's when a person comes to do evil sins. From a state of, of fullness. Yeah. And the matter is that sustenance is the dough 
of physicality. And the contemplation of the intellect, and the fear of God, and his commands, that are dear and valuable, he is nefesh. That is the dough of the soul. And the soul, the spirit, and physicality are opposites. As I described earlier. Therefore, with the ascendance of the power of the dough of physicality, this can engender a weakening within the whole personality the identity, the, the engagement of the soul. Based on this root, there were among our sages of blessed memory, that they would not enjoy various foods, those that only partook of what they needed to survive. As is written in Mishle, Yud Gimel Chapeh, Tzadik Ochel Lisvanafsha, that the righteous eats to satiate his soul. So the Chinuch is explaining that one can, there is a mandate to enjoy, but one has to be careful not to follow after it as a terminus, as a purpose. One should eat to live, not live to eat. Alkain, Tinanu, Tarsenu, therefore, our Torah has restrained us, Hashlema, in its completion, its, its wholeness, the Tobasenu, for our good, Meharos from excess of food and drink. Penis Gabra Chomer Al Nefesh Harve, lest one be overwhelmed in the physicality, Ad, Shechlia, Biavid, Osogami, to the point that the spirituality can be entirely quashed and lost. Therefore, to distance from this consequence, we've been warned with a strong warning. And this is the death penalty. This is what appears to me in this matter, that the Ben Sura who is Ochel, as a Zolo Vesove, a glutton, partaking from these stolen goods and reveling in a manner that brings him to death. Vehuzhar ha'adam alzeh tchilas tokif chom bachuruso. Why is man warned, particularly about this possibility, this risk? It's at the beginning of the strength of the heat of his youth. And at the beginning of his entry into responsibility for guarding over his soul. This is the critical time. The the three months after Bar Mitzvah is actually the time frame of Ben Sarimar. Kids 25 years old and does these things. He's certainly guilty of various crimes, but he's not liable to this consequence. This is really the critical 
time frame. Obviously, everybody has to be careful. Too late for me. <laughs> it's never too late. Never too late. <laughs> but this is the the most vulnerable time. This is the time of Chom Bacharuso. This time, uh, as we saw, it's a t- time of Gvura, a, a time that can be impetuous, a time that can be overconfident, a time that can lead to experimentation that are spiritually harmful. The beginning of his entry into the responsibility to guard his soul. That's three months. And from that time, he should take Musr, his guidance, for all of his days. A person might be able to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, but he can't stop eating. There's no way. He, he cannot. A person needs to eat all the time. He can't survive without it. This period of being particularly careful is not universal. Only at the beginning is there this focus on Moser. Once he is established in the path of good, that if he holds on to that and continues with that, that will help him for all the times of his life. But that's why the particular critical time of Ben Saramur is the first three months after Bar Mitzvah. That's the, the Bachar over here. That is the subject of our verse who is at risk that is being addressed by King Solomon. Take a look at the Medrash. The multiple Medrashim on here, but Medrash Rabba. But earlier, Aleph Gimel. Ma Yisrael la'adam. Amar Rabbi Benyamin. Bikshu Chachamim lignos sefer kohelis. Rabbi Benyamin says, the sages sought to hide the book of Kohelis, to not keep it in the canon, to, to seal it up. Because they found within it words that turned towards Minos, that could be mis- misconstrued as leading astray. They said, all of the wisdom of King Solomon, he came to say, what is the profit of man in all of his toil? Does that mean that he has no profit by toiling in Torah? Then they came back and said, He didn't say in all toil. Rather, in his toil. If it's the toil that is not self-centered, if he's actually pursuing, understanding, and orienting himself to live according to God's will, that is an amel, that is a toil that actually has profit. But amolo eno amel. In his own personal toil, he shall not toil. That's futile. But he should toil in the toil of Torah. Achieve divine enlightenment. That has profit. Amar Rabbi Shmuel said the name of Rabbi Yitzchak. The sages sought to hide the book of Kohelas, they found within it things that leaned towards Minos, 
Is all of the wisdom of Solomon as such? Sha'amr, he said, our verse. Smach bachar, yaldusecha, rejoice, lad, in your, your childhood. Vitivcha libcha, mevakurusecha, and your heart shall be good to you in the days of your youth, of your young manhood. Valech bedarche libcha, and go in the following the path of your heart, the paths of your heart. Uvimare inecha, and after what your eyes see, that's King Solomon. Umosha Amar, let's contrast that with Moshe. We already saw this verse in quoted by the Benezra, but Midbar Tazval Lamatas, Vilosasuru Akhre Lavabhim, and do not follow after your hearts, Akhre Nechan after your eyes. So this is seems to be a bit of a conflict. Shlomo Amar, King Solomon said, and go after the ways of your heart and what your eyes see. Hutaritsua. The strap has become unraveled. Les din, the les dayan. Is there no judge? Is there no judgment or and no judge? This is obviously leading towards Milos. This is being encouraged. Kim Jomar, since he concluded the verse, get to the end, give him a moment. Vida and no, Kyakol Ela, for all of these, God will bring you to judgment. Amru Yafa Amrshom. Then they said, Okay, King Solomon has spoken well. Vid continue in this in this piece in the Medrash. Rabbi Huna, Rabbi Acha, B'Shem, Rabbi Chilfai, Amalotachas, Hashem, Hashemesh, toil under the sun. The Ozlo Malmeshemesh, and he has a storehouse above the sun. Amar Rabbi Yudam Tachas Hashemesh Emo, Malmeshemesh Yeshlo. Under the sun, he doesn't have. Above the sun, he does have. Meaning similar to what we said before. Under the sun is. A metaphor for this world, but something that is of eternal quality, that has uh, a treasured continuity. Rabbi Levi Rabbanon, Rabbi Levi Amar, Ma Hanoah Yesh Lebrios Hashem Misugals BeMitzvos Meisim Tovim. What benefit are there for humanity that they seek after and, and treasure, following fulfilling the mitzvos and Meisim Tovim? The commands and good deeds. Dayon shani or It's enough for them that I shine upon them the light. That is an adequate reward. Rabbanon Amri, the Rabbanon said, Mano yish. What is the benefit? Elatzdikim for the righteous. Misagdan mitzvos of meisim tovim that they pursue treasure, fulfilling the divine commands and good deeds. Dayon shani asu lechadish pneim kegalgal chama. It's enough for them that in the future I will renew their faces like the sun. We have interesting two tiers over here. Brios, people, that they have the shining of light upon them. And the righteous, that although they're ostensibly pursuing the same goals, in their righteousness are granted a renewal, not just to be having the the light shone upon them, but to be themselves luminaries, fascinating uh, shift, even though both categories are doing the same thing. Misaglos, the mitzvahs of Maisim Tovim, That's uh, what they are doing is, is the same, but there's a, a difference, it would appear, in how this is achieved and pursued by 
standard people, and those that are professionals, if you will, tzaddikim, the righteous. In the ways of the world, a person takes a liter of meat, a measure of meat. How much toil and work does he have to, how hard is it for him till he prepares it to cook? And what does God do for you? He causes the winds to blow. Malanayim brings forth the clouds. Morid Shamim Talim brings down rains and dew. Megadel Tzmachim raises forth various plants. Mavashlam brings things to ripen. Baruch Shulchan and sets forth a table. Before each and every individual. God provides for the needs of every individual. Every individual body. In accordance with its needs, whatever it's lacking. That's the Omer. And will you not bring to me the Omer? The Omer offering. A small barley offering. In the way of the world, a person launders his garment in the winter. How much toil and struggle till he's got it. Uh, accomplished. Vani, what do I do for you? I cause the winds to blow, Malanayim bring forth the clouds, Morgishamim, Tlalim, and I bring down the rains and the dews. I sprout forth various plants, and I wash them, and I cook them, and I dry them. I take care of each individual, give them everything. And all the needs I give to each and every one, each body and body, in accordance with whatever is lacking. Will you not bring for me the Omer, this small barley offering? Rabbi Brechia says, a fascinating parable. God is saying, I am a Chef, the lace at matimli tafshile, the ada mautzarich. Will you not let me taste my dish that I should know what it needs? Rabbi Shua desichnin b'shem Rabbi Levi Amar. It's a slightly different parable of this idea. Santurach ana v'leis at yoivli santurusi. I am a guardian, will not let me have from that which I guarded. The first parable is really quite amazing. If you think about it, God is saying, I'm a chef, will you not let me taste this dish that I prepared to see what it needs? Which is a very disturbing parable. God is perfect. I understand a human chef he obviously needs to tinker with his creation. He needs a little bit more spice here, add some more ingredients there. He needs to taste it. But God, God is perfect. What is this parable that God is saying? Give me the omen. Give me this small barley offering. 
how does that relate to the parable where the chef says, I created this delight, but I need to tinker. I need to see what it needs. Let me, let me have a taste. It seems so incongruous. What, what is this marshal about? So I would suggest that what we are describing over here prior to this parable is the overwhelming sense of gratitude that we are meant to feel towards God and the offerings that we bring Him should be coming from that sense of indebtedness. We owe Him for everything He does for us. It's just a token. We bring this meal offering. It is a token. He gives us everything. What is he asking already? What is the dish that he is preparing? What is the chef? The chef of chefs of chefs. What does God want that he wants to taste the dish? He doesn't need to eat barley. He doesn't have a barley offering. But the purpose is to elicit a genuine relationship, genuine gratitude. And for that, we need to give him the offering. And from there, he can see what needs to be addressed. In the ideal, we're meant to give him from the fattest, as the Torah describes, in, in generosity. We're supposed to bring in accordance with our gifts as an expression of our intense gratitude. If a person gives begrudgingly, or not at all, well, then there's a need, so to speak, for God to achieve his goal to adjust. It's not because God is not perfect. God is perfect. He's the perfect chef, and he knows how to get the right results. But there is an element here that is not in God's hands, because he's entrusted us with free will to choose. And he wants to bestow this gift to us. He wants us to reach out to him. And then he can taste and see, how do I reach these people? How do I adjust to make this just perfect? Sometimes it's a long path. Sometimes it's a short path. The person gives it properly. And ideally, as the Torah tells us very, very clearly, the blessings will ensue. There's no lack of goodness for God to give us. He asks, give me the, the offering, let's see how you give it, to see if something needs to be adjusted towards achieving my purpose. I would suggest that is the, the marshal over here. The God who portrays the chef who's asking, let me taste this dish that I've made to see adjustments that need to be made. The second parable is more straightforward. That which he has guarded, certainly he's entitled to some element of that. If he has guarded it, it's, it, he has a right. Noah took care of the animals. He gained a right to consume meat, to kill for meat as a consequence of that. There's, there's an element that God's right, given what is his due, in a strict sense. That, of course, is also true. God doesn't need anything. It's not the, the entire idea here, but it's not, don't think that it is not deserved, as it were. You're not giving him a gift. You're giving him 
what is his 